I am a black woman, proud, unapologetically African and black in, uh, in science, right? And it's come with its own challenges. But I would say that um, during my college years and my training as a scientist, I was, um, I was lucky to have mentors who just wanted me to succeed in the field, right? But that didn't change the fact that I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. Welcome to Biologists Being Basic, a podcast where we talk about basic research, why we care about it, and why you should too. I'm your host and resident basic biologist, Robin Cake. Each episode, I'm joined by fellow scientists as well as non-scientist friends to ask questions, talk science, and have fun. In the last episode, we had special guest Dr. Pascal Guiton talk about her research on the life cycle of Toxoplasma gondii, the king of parasites. In today's episode, we continue our conversation with Pascal, who talks to us about her unique life and career in science. We have a candid discussion about the importance of not just diversity and representation, but of inclusion and equity in the STEM disciplines. We are very grateful to Pascal, who is an amazing scientist, mentor, and advocate, and we hope you enjoy our discussions with her as much as we did. Helping interview Pascal in today's episode are my B3 co-host, Paige. Hi, I'm Paige Haas. I'm a graduate student at UCSF in Nevin Krogan's lab. And non-scientist expert human, Gina. Hi, I'm Gina, the Director of Communications and Events at the Quantitative Biosciences Institute at UCSF. And of course, a huge thank you to our special guest, Dr. Pascal Guitton. Hi, I'm really happy to be here. And um, like you said, I'm Pascal, and I am an assistant professor at California State University in East Bay. Okay, thanks, guys. Let's get started. So, Pascal, you're a relatively new professor. Um, can you tell us how you got interested in science and how you chose a career uh, as a professor? Science was a bit of a... The word science itself is not something that I grew up using, right? But it started, I would say, in middle school, where we had to create this herbarium uh, using uh, this flower called, in French, we call it l'orgueil de Chine. And it's a very common flower. It's like orange, has pistil on, and it grows in the Ivory Coast where I grew up. And the idea or the, the exercise was to dissect the, the, the flower to see what is inside, to label the different um, parts of the, of the plant, right? And it was, you know, you, you, you tape that flower in your little notebook and then it stays there. And it was just so amazing to see all the little part that made up that plant that we couldn't appreciate, right? When you just walk around it. And I just... I just was wondering what else was out there, right? And so that's sort of what really started this curiosity about the the world around me, right? I ended up just loving, loving biology. It was my favorite topic in school. And so coming to America, I initially wanted to be um, a medical doctor. As a matter of fact, my dad was like, okay, I send you to America to go become a doctor. And he was a bit disappointed when I became a doctor, but not a medical doctor. And so it's, I, I wanted to do that. And then I joined a lab and Dr. Eichenbaum uh, was working on uh, Streptococcus pyogenes, the causative agent of strep throat. And I was pretending to do science then, you know, like 
grow bacteria in a clay flask and whatnot. And then over time, I realized that, oh, I actually do like science. I still applied to med school, though, um, but I, I, would, I knew I was going to get to go for the research path. And then I went and did some work, got my PhD, and then postdoc. Yeah. And then how did I become a professor? So that's the second part of it, right? It's I essentially, I, I wasn't thinking about taking a job where I will mix teaching and research, but my, my PI, my mentor at Stanford, basically, he looked at my CV and he's like, you know, you do a lot of teaching. Have you ever considering mixing the two? And I was like, what? Okay. So then I did some teaching at Jose State and at Santa Clara while I was um, still a postdoc. And I, I realized that, you know, it's, it's cool um, doing the two. And so here I am. And it's been fine so far. A lot of, a lot of work, but fine. Yeah. I wonder if every scientist has parents who wanted them to be doctors. Like, <laughs> I had the same thing. My parents were like, oh, you could be a doctor. It's like, mm, scientist. Like, but, but what about doctor? <laughs> to, to be honest, my dad was not happy. He, and I quote, he passed away, but I quote, um, I didn't send you to America to go get a PhD. I sent you to America to go get an MD. Who is going to take care of me <laughs> when I get sick in my old age? And I was like, oh, God, God, you know? And, you know, here's a little funny, I mean, it's not that funny, but I defended my thesis uh, January, uh, 2012 or something. And oh, I talked to my dad that day when I defended and I passed, I called the Ivory Coast. And I was like, Hey daddy, I passed. Oh my God, I have a PhD. And he's like, Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'll come in May. And about 10 days later, he passed away. So the oh, last yeah. time, literally the last time I talked to my father was when I got my PhD. So it's kind of like, it's just bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you know, I, keep that memory of him being happy and telling me, you know, yeah. oh my God, we all got a PhD now and he was proud and it's all, it's bittersweet, but it's, I think it's more sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. sweeter, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, my parents definitely weren't upset that I got my PhD, but were more worried that I wasn't going to have a job. <laughs> I was going to be poor forever. <laughs> oh yeah. I've embraced that. Yeah, I you're like no, I just accepted it. I think it's and you, uh, and you go with you know I didn't get in there to to make money, yeah. right? Like you kind of sometimes I'm like, what was I thinking? And then you remember, oh yeah, you know, and then you remember because it's beautiful. It's so like I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. My the favorite part is all of the friends from college who like did computer science or and then they all went and got jobs. <laughs> when I was still in grad school that was my that was... sister computer scientist she only has a bachelor degree she makes three times what I make and she's yeah. like I don't know what you were thinking I was like <sighs> you're like I wanted to change the world <laughs> I wanted to cure uh, cancer to yeah. be quite honest I, I never wanted same. to cure cancer I, I never thought about curing cancer I was all for microbes I love microbes really? more than human. It, it's, I, I don't know if you guys, I, I just do. I find them so amazing. I, I just, 
just find them absolutely amazing. I feel the same way, like on the host parasite study, I'm always like more interested in the parasite than the host. It's like, oh, like, you know, they seem really well adapted. Like, how are they doing what they're doing? Uh, so those questions really interest me too. And then kind of on that note, I guess um, I was wondering like why you chose basic science research as opposed to something like more translational or clinical. Like what is it about basic science that excites you and keeps you motivated? It's the simplicity of it, right? I mean, it's not simple per se. So the the questions are simple. You 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 discover new I don't even know how to explain it. It's um it's it's almost like mere curiosity, right? And then someone else takes it and do the application. But to me, it's how do you work little thing that I do not see with my naked eye, right? How is it that you can um, you can wreak havoc all around mm-hmm. us, right? It's it's I mean, it it pains me, right? That microbes are causing so much pain, right? I mean, I grew up in the Ivory Coast, so TB, HIV you know, malaria is really affecting people's lives. It, it's not a joke for them, right? And, it, you know, you, you have to reconcile that 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 reality with the biology and the, the, the science of it. And, you know, it's just so simple. Like, how is it that herpes virus can stay in your body for years, right? The, the questions are so simple, but yet... The, the the biology is complex and every simple simple question brings up another simple question and by the time you're done you have this huge amazing story and I just love it I, and you know I, I understand we need to apply it but that's somebody else I find it difficult to deal with humans <laughs> you know Michael yeah. don't talk back we definitely need people like on the basic like curiosity side of things yeah. for sure. Yeah, so no, for sure. I think like that's part of what we're doing in this yeah. podcast is showing like how yeah. useful that basic yeah. understanding is. Like the I like what you said, like simple questions and then complex answers. Because when when you think about it, right? Um, as as children, we used to ask some of those, "Mom, why is the sky blue?" Right. And then all of a sudden you grow up and you realize that, wow, the sky is blue. It's more complicated than color. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, why is the plant green? Why is this flower yellow and this one is pink? You know, where baby come from? You see, there's so much biology into that, but the kid doesn't really care about it. It's just this curiosity that I, I wish we don't lose. And I think... The, the the basic sciences allow you to to really keep that in this little it's almost like this childish um desire this childish curiosity you know um, yeah unfortunately curiosity doesn't get you grants sometimes <laughs> very true yeah um but it is i i think the nicest part about basic biology, probably basic research in general, but as biologists, I fall to basic biology is that it's like how we interact with the world. Like it's almost like you're learning a secret (laughs) about life and then you get to share it with everybody else. And 
it's like, look at the secret that I learned. And it's, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> it's quite intoxicating. <laughs> what? I said it's quite intoxicating. I'm I'm not a scientist, but it, it's very intoxicating for me to to hear um, the basic biology of of anything like why why or how stuff works. Like 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 how how does this come about? Like yeah, like like we're talking about babies. Like yes, baby the baby's the outcome, but like getting to that is very um, fascinating and 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 it, it kind of it's kind of intoxicating. I mean, like you kind of get high off of like learning more, and mind and it's mind expanding. So keep talking science. <laughs> I know, no, absolutely right. It's and it's sometime I, I I think it is so humbling, right? Because as human, we think we're the center of the universe, and this sort of human-centric view of the world, I think, is what is getting us into this mess we are in with climate change and, and, and all of that. And I think, you know, for us who have the privilege to to work with all these other living organisms, I think there is a humility that comes with it, right? You're like, wow, you know, you are like 0.1 micron and I am this gigantic person and it takes one of you or two of you to just knock me out for weeks or kill me even. And, and, and the other thing too that I love about basic research and basic science is that we're not always thinking about how we can use this thing, right? And I think it's basic research just makes that part, like you say, uh, like you said, Robin, brings that back, bring us back into the world, not as, oh, we are over here, and every other organism, every other um, things in the universe are over there and we get to control that. And I think, uh, unfortunately, I think we facing sort of this reality now with, with COVID-19, right, where the, mm -hmm. world, the world is essentially at a standstill because of a virus, right? And so I, I do hope that this experience will, will sort of, remind human beings that we are part of an ecosystem and we cannot just go around messing it up and yeah and expect that things will be okay yeah we can't control everything like there's a lot of things that we can't control like other things in nature that exert powerful effects over humans just as much as humans exert power over other organisms and and we can learn a lot from from microbes, right? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah. So uh, you're from the Ivory Coast and your, uh, your career trajectory is obviously different than, you know, mine or Paige's uh, who, you know, we're both U.S. citizens. How, how do you, um, how do you think that has affected the way that you see science? How do you think that has affected the way you run your lab? How do you think that has affected, you know, how you, um, mentor students and that that is a great question thank you for asking it is definitely different I am a black woman proud unapologetically African and black and in, uh, in science right and it's come with its own challenges but I would say that um, uh, during my college years and my training as a scientist I was um, I was lucky to have mentors who just wanted me to succeed in the field, right? 
but that didn't change the fact that I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me, you know, that came to give talks or that were in the labs, you know. And so one of the reasons why I took this job at CSU East Bay was because of the diversity that they, they um, pride themselves with. And we do have a large population of um, Latinx and we also have about 10% African-American or black student. And so I wanted to really train students that sort of look like me. And, and, and literally, this, this is what it is, that, that look like me or that don't necessarily think about science as a career path, right? To say, hey, you know what? You can do it. You can also start from a little country nowhere in the Ivory Coast and then come to America and get to schools like, you know, WashU, Harvard, Stanford, or, or whatnot. You know what I mean? And so I think representation, right, seeing yourself in the people you look up to or that you want to emulate or that you respect is important in recruiting new voices and new, um, new thought pattern, essentially, into the field. And Yesterday, I was sitting on a parasitology uh, meeting, like uh, a panel about what it means to be black in parasitology, how our field can be a bit more um, diverse and, and whatnot. And the message that, that I, I was trying to convey is that just bring those black voices in your space, you know, just... Um, train minority students and not only the students that come from like the top schools or whatnot, right? But the stu you have students at state schools. I went to GSU, Georgia State University, right? Not because I couldn't get into Emory or whatnot, but financially it made sense for me to pay in-state tuition for, because my mom was a citizen, then paying private school and you know what I mean? And so, and in my old lab, we had, um, uh, a, a student who came from San Jose State, and to this day, her PhD work is essentially feeding the lab. You know, like there's a lot of project that came out of that. So I think that, you know, representation in the field and um, listening to, 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 to diverse voices and the way, because the way I think about science, right, it's very different from how you think about science, right? Uh, the way I mentor my student is, is very different from how they will be mentored, I think, by a, 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 white, a white mentor. Here's an example. You know, when I was looking for my job, I got the interview, and I went to my mentor. He's amazing, right? And he, you know, gave me all this advice about, you know, how to, to do the interview and all that. But then I had this little thing in my head that was just bothering me. Do I get my hair braided or do I leave it afro or do I pull it back? And I'm like, okay, where am I going to ask this to? There's no black faculty on this, on this floor that I know, you know, and it may be trivial, but it's something that we think about because it's how you present yourself, right? And there's also this need to, you're almost forced to assimilate. And I would wish that 
in our fields, right, in science, we allow people to actually be who they are because there's beauty in that, in that diversity and also those different mindsets brought to one problem can help find multiple paths, right, to answer and solving that problem. And I think... Yeah, like... So, yeah, go ahead. I, you know, your point about allowing people to be who they are, we do allow people to be who they are if they are white men, you know? I, I think that you're allowed to be quirky and weird or ornery or any other thing that you are if you fit what people think a scientist is supposed to be, a, a white man. And no, I mean, I, I just, I, I think, I obviously have a different experience than you, but the same idea of, am I supposed to wear makeup? Am I supposed to dress a certain way? Should I wear heels, for instance, when I give a talk because I want to look taller so that people will respect me more. And there's all of these things that you go into it that have nothing to do with your science and nothing to do with the way that you present your work. It's how you present yourself. And there's a very, you know, all the things you have to think about <laughs> before you even get to your slides is, is very, yeah. Now, all that that you said just now, add blackness to it. Yeah. And it's like, Okay, yeah. you know, it, it, it is difficult uh, being, it's not, you know, and, and sometimes clearly you have the jerks. Let's just be real. You sure. have the people who believe that black people have lower IQs, black people are not good, they don't belong in science. You know, recruiting black people is you have to lower the standard, which is absolutely false. It's ridiculous. It's lazy. Right. Oh, we cannot find black people. But if you cannot find them, what what do you what can you do so that they don't you can increase the number so you won't have to look so hard to find them? Right. And how hard did you look? That that's one question. And also, so you have those people who, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to waste my time on them. OK, but then you have the others who are, um, the, without doing it consciously, right? They, they're not, they, their intention is not to, to hurt or, or whatnot, but they're not supporting your black colleagues, not mentoring your black colleagues, um, not listening to them when they come to you to say, you know, this is happening to me, not saying we playing the race card or, you know, or, wanting us to to express ourselves the way everybody else do i am a, i don't know if you guys can tell i'm very loud this is genetic my dad was loud my mom is loud i'm just this is who i am i am emotional this is how you know i'm mad at you this is how you know i'm happy this is how you know i'm sad i cannot hide that you know what i mean but i sometimes i feel like in in this there you know there's a difference between being professional I can still be a very extroverted, loud person and still be professional. But there's this idea that, you know, you need to be a certain way to fit into that mold that is made for us. And I say no more. I, uh, I, I say no more. And, you know, the, the, the other thing, too, is being a black scientist, right, wanting to a black scientist, a woman scientist, an international 
uh, uh, scientists in America, you get a lot of um, training and mentoring that you have to do, right? That it, it's a lot of work because we want to bring students that look like us, right? But mm -hmm. because of the resources that they don't necessarily have, I've been in the Stanford environment. So all of a sudden, I know a little bit how to navigate these uh, PWIs, right? I know how to, so mm -hmm. now I have to train the student. You see what I mean? So there's this cultural taxation that falls on us that is not necessary, is undervalued or not fully appreciated, like how it is work, you know? It is a lot right. of work and you'd wish that when you do that, your career can, you know, take a little boost. Not that this is what we look for, but it's something that we do, right? It's it's a value that should be valued, but is not being valued. It doesn't go into the statistic of how productive you are. It doesn't go into, you know, whether you are a successful PI, you know, quote unquote, successful PI or not, you know, like the, the way that success is measured in science is, uh, does not always reflect what a person is giving. Um, and there's definitely, I think also in some situations, there are some people that think of it as like, oh, well, I'm doing this to be like a quote unquote good person, or I'm trying to do it because I've been told that I should look out for diversity and not realizing that there is, I, which that blows my mind because as scientists, you should always be looking for other ways to see things like, why would you want to only hire people who think like you? you? You already think like you. You don't need another person that thinks exactly like you. You shouldn't have a person who just is yourself. You want someone who thinks differently and who is creative in different ways, who's going to look at a problem and be like, actually, I see the problem differently. <laughs> like the whole purpose of science is innovation. I, I just don't understand why you would only look at a pool of people who look and act like you. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I think because I am, my, my, my workplace is the academy, right? It's, um, it, it's where I want to make the most impact and knowing how, you know, we face racism on, on so many different level and those little microaggression or you say something, you give an idea and then you're, colleague just put it in fancy words and then all of a sudden it's their ideas um you know it's it is hard it is frustrating and so I started this um this I I, I started this uh organization with my colleague uh, this advocacy group called the alliance for black for the black community specifically we, right now we're working specifically at East Bay and at, at my institution and the goal really is to try to to really provide tools to our colleagues, faculty, to try to really improve this interaction between non-Black faculty and Black faculty on campus, but also um, help really in changing the policies that they have in hiring and retaining and promoting faculty of color. Because it's not just enough to bring a black scientist or a black woman scientist or even a woman scientist to your campus, right? To, to teach just for the, to add a bit of color. You also have to support them in that environment. And the type of support that we may need 
is not necessarily the same type of support that a white woman will need or a white men will need. You know what I mean? And so I think the term diversity has just lost all of its um people are just using it like, oh, I have a little color over here, I have a little mm-hmm. thing. It's it's just as I think it has been uh prostituted so much that it has lost any value, right? Um it's like a checkbox as opposed to um right, as opposed to actually trying to learn like the system is set up for a certain type of person to succeed. You've already taken care of your needs. <laughs> You've already made sure that the system works to help someone like you succeed. But how can we change things so that someone else could succeed? Like the things that help you are not the same things that help someone else. And they're not the same things that, you know, uh, different people need different things. And it, it seems very short-sighted to think like, here's a system, shouldn't you be able to succeed in it without it? You know, like, but it wasn't designed for me to succeed in. And that, that is a very good point. The, the, the academia wasn't meant for women and it definitely wasn't meant for black people, right? Yeah. But now we are, we are in there. We're not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm going to be in your face unless, you know, I find something else that I love <laughs> more. But you know what I mean? Like it's, so I think instead of fighting all these, um, instead of fighting the, the, the wave, of change that is coming, maybe we should just embrace it and all work mm-hmm. together because at the end, we all want the same goal, right? We want a better life for a future de- generation. We want to improve our own lives. And really what I, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm hope that I, I hope that it is true for most Black people is that we just want to get equal space, Right. We're not asking for any favors or anything like that. We just want to be seen and given similar opportunities and be evaluated on the same level as everybody else instead of just saying, oh, they're Black, so therefore I'm thinking X, right? Mm -hmm. Before you even see what I have to offer. And, you know, if we want to make science right, a science career more appealing to minorities, right, to black students and to Latinx students, we also have to understand that in America, the, 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 the poor communities come from those, from those communities, right? The, 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 the communities that struggle a lot are mainly African-American, blacks, Latinx. So when you design systems where students have to, or people, uh, they have to come out of that, this, this condition and you ask them to do certain things, right? And you don't pay them. You give internship, come volunteer for them. Well, I have to feed my family. I am not going to come or I have to take care of my, 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 my mom and my dad, right? I cannot just come for an entire summer and work. Yes, I, I know how valuable it will be, but I also need to leave. So, a lot of a lot of them take the summer to catch up on finances. I have students who work two, three jobs and they still come to class, right? So it's not about pitying them because they're poor. It's about helping them get into that system that seems so far away. It's not because you don't want them to come. I, I hope not, but 
it's just not reachable. You see what I mean? So programs can be designed. I mean, they have all this money. They can design just small program to to coordinate between, let's say, a school like CSU East Bay and, and some of those R1, right? They can have exchange student, maybe one summer, you give them a little bit of money. And don't just take, yes, you have students that are like top A student and things like that, but there are also students that are very, very smart and capable. And the reason why they didn't get the straight A Maybe because they've been dealing with other issues, and despite that, they still got a B. Despite that, they still got a, 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 a B minus or whatnot. To me, that that is something that has to be considered. So even how we evaluate the what do you call it, There's the aptitude. It seems counterintuitive because the person who is taking care of their kid as a single dad or a single mom and who also is trying to work at the same time, who also managed to get a B, is more impressive to me than a person who didn't have anything else to do but study and managed to get an A. I mean, it seems, yes, it does seem counterintuitive that we are not valuing people, especially in science, where we're scientists. Like, being able to juggle things is all that you do in science is trying to be able to like manage and prioritize any difference so yeah the way that we it really is i mean i'm not saying it's easy but at the same time i don't think it's that hard you know um and i i am just tired personally of having to be used as a token of this hey this is this the black scientist woman, I'm like, if you're going to use this as a token, you're going to pay for this. This is the money maker. It may not be financial pay, but you're going to do work for me too. You know? And, um, yeah, but I love my job. Um, I mean, there's definitely things that can, can be better, uh, things that can be improved. And so I'm hoping that with the work we're doing, things will get better, at least for our black students. I, I'm just, I'm just so tired that the data is there. Our mm-hmm. students are struggling. Everybody knows that. But as academics, I don't understand. This is our job, right? Like thinking and solving issues. How have we not find, uh, how have we not yet found a solution to this? You know, you have to it's wonder. A, yeah. It's really trying to honestly create opportunities that are meaningful, not just because you want to say, hey, check, I did this for black people once in my life, I'm done. I am, you know, it's just meaningful, bring about meaningful changes to, to, instead of, you know, say, oh, they're not prepared. Okay, they are not prepared. What's the problem? I think that a lot of the students who come to college and are underprepared, I don't think we should blame our students. I think we should blame mm-hmm. the system. It's almost like they were lied to, right? It's almost like we said, hey, we're going to prepare you for college. And then they didn't do their job. So who's, who is responsible for the lack of preparation? Who is responsible? I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some students who don't have all these problems and they're just freaking lazy. But even that, even as I say that, right, it's are they lazy? 
or you still haven't and inspired or exactly yeah. you just haven't found the way to get them to click right and i um i i don't know i i i love my students in general some of them don't love me but i love them anyhow um and i think there's so much we can do to to really bring minorities and and people in a, so mentoring of black faculty black scholars black scientists inviting black uh, scientists or uh, you know minority I, i'm really focused on the black people because as far as i'm concerned in america we are at the bottom here and so when things are good for us it's good for everybody else so that's that's Absolutely. that's that's me and so you know like bring black uh, faculty black scientists to to your conferences to present um just use the science or the 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 actually talk about the contribution of black scientists, right? To fields like immunology, uh, anatomy, microbiology, you know, I created um, this atlas of over 121 um, black African-American, African, uh, it's available for free um, to, to that you can bring into your class. Not just bring it as, oh, this was the first person to go to university, no. Say, you know, this scientist, X, Y, Z, contributed to this to a better understanding of the, uh, the, 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 the protection that melanin affords to against you. You know, things, there's a black woman who did that work, right? Why don't I know about this? There's a black man that was involved in, uh, in, um, in the, 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 the description of, of protein structure. I think it was the beta the alpha helix or the beta helix, one, one of those, right? I didn't know about this until I put this together. So I feel cheated in a way, you know? I feel cheated and I think it, it, it's just, it will enrich everyone's perspective. And that's yeah. really, and, and, and my black student out there and my black young people listening, don't be afraid to go and, and ask to be mentored, right? Trust me, my mentors in science have been all white, okay? So you can have black mentors, by all means, find one. It's important. But do not be afraid to ask for help. By your, go to your professor's office and, and really talk to them. Even if they're not, what's the worst that can happen? Ask yourself that. And I think that's, I'm going to leave it as that. That's good. Yeah, good place to end. <laughs> like good place to end. <laughs> and thank you so much, um, Robin, Paige, Gina, and Alexa for having me. This was a blast. Uh, I hope that you continue this work. It's so important, um, science communication, especially now. I also want to really thank my students who keep the lab going and keep me going, and my colleagues who are help me helping me get in good trouble like um uh, john lewis would say so thank you so much and um yeah right. thank you thank you for joining us in part two of our toxoplasma gondii episode with special guest dr pascal guitant if you're interested in dr guitant's research career and advocacy we strongly encourage you to visit her website look into her publications, and follow her on Twitter at Dr. Keton. You can find these links in the show notes or visit our website, biologistbeingbasic.com. 
We want to extend a huge thank you to every person who is doing their part during the pandemic to keep us all safe, to feed us, to heal us, to keep our daily lives running, and to help support a diverse field of researchers, first responders, and medical professionals. As we head into the holidays, we want to thank and remind everyone to do their part and remember to wash your hands, keep up social distancing, and please wear your masks when you're out in public. We know that right now, times are hard and confusing, so thank you so much for doing what you can to help. We hope that our podcast can be a source of information and maybe even entertainment during these challenging times. In our roles as scientists, we always aim to be as accurate and precise as possible while still communicating plainly. But in case we didn't do this, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what we said in this episode, or if you just want to say hi, please reach out to us at biologistbeingbasic at gmail.com or at biosbeingbasic on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, and we will do our best to respond. And if you like this episode and potentially want to hear more, please like and subscribe or leave us a review. We want to thank Professor Krogan, who is our boss and the director of QBI. We want to thank UCSF and Gladstone Institutes, who are our employers. We want to give a huge thank you to Dr. Pascal Guitton for being so generous with our time and for joining us in this and the previous episode. And thank you to Alexa Rocourt and Michael McGregor, who are our sound engineers and producers. Our music has been Catalyst and Passport from Purple Planet Music. They don't see my face, right? No. So okay. we're we're only going to do the, yeah, we're not going to record video. I want to sit so. in my couch. <laughs> is, it, is it okay if we take a screenshot really quick? Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll okay. take a screenshot now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm okay. not that cute anymore. Let me put my perfume on. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know, like, oh, like, not a great looking person right now, but that's okay. We'll be real. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Oh, one, two, three. Wait, you know what? So, okay, here we go. One, two, three. Okay, great. Excellent. Just fun. Yeah. That looks excellent. That looks really good. Okay.